It's, it's, it's in your running around <laughs> that God wants to show up. And um, if, you, if you look for him, you, you will find him there. You will find him there. All right. How are the rest of y'all doing? <laughs> Got to go to sleep. He needs a nap. That's what happens when you don't take your nap. You get grumpy. You guys aren't grumpy, are you? Okay. I'll take your word for it. Hey, let's pray as we jump into this tonight. Dad, we thank you for your presence here, and I thank you what you've already been doing in this place tonight. The way you're moving in our hearts, the way you're encouraging us, the way you're loving us. And I pray that um, this time wouldn't be a shift from worshiping you um, to something else, but it would be a continuation of our interaction with you, our loving you, our worship of you. And I pray that these words would be more than just information. And so would you speak your heart to us in and through this? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Um, so last week, we started the beginning of a series on discipleship. And specifically, we're talking about what it looks like um, in this church, in this family, to, uh, to follow Jesus. So uh, we talked about this definition of discipleship um, that I think is really important for us to identify, to um, put to words what does it really look like? What does it really mean for us to follow Jesus? And, um, and so if you missed it, uh, this is what we've um, identified for us as a church that we really believe is the call of every believer in following Jesus. And it's, to, um, it's cultivating a supernatural lifestyle where sons and daughters are empowered to be transformed into Christ-likeness and equipped to help others do the same. And if you missed that, um, I would encourage you to go listen to last week's message um, on the website. And um, I, just, I just love that um, when we say yes to following Jesus, that means we get to be like him. When you say yes to following Jesus, that means you get to be like him. And, and there's, nothing, there's nothing really off limits in... Um, terms of the things that he has shared with us as part of his family. And that's pretty incredible. And one of the biggest things that changes is that, in fact, when we come to know him, we've been called into a supernatural lifestyle. We're no longer just human beings walking this out on our own because we have the Spirit of God with us, empowering us to be like Jesus. And uh, if you didn't get the memo, Jesus was pretty supernatural. He was super and natural all at the same time. And that's what you get to be. And so um, I want to continue tonight with that. And over the next 
uh, month or so, we're going to be looking at some key components of what this actually looks like for us in the context of our church. Um, For those of you who may not know or maybe you've forgotten it, um, our mission statement as a church, okay, the thing that is really the the what behind um, this community, the what, what we're after. Um, our mission is extending the love of Jesus to see wholeness in Baltimore and beyond. To see wholeness in Baltimore and in our world. Extending the love of Jesus because we believe that his love is the thing that makes a difference. It's the thing that changes people, and it's the thing that changes cities, and it's the thing that will change our world. It's the thing that brings wholeness. It's the thing that brings healing. It's the thing that brings repair and restoration. And it's the thing that will change Baltimore. And that is our mission. That is our mission, in case you didn't know it. And um, connected to that mission is a group of things that are part of the why behind what we do. And if you haven't already heard, we have a list of values that are really these core um, principles, if you will. They're things that drive us, They're the things that matter in our interactions with each other. They're the things that matter in this family. And uh, if you don't know those values, they're growing family, cultivating honor, sacrificial generosity, choosing authenticity, passionate prayer, and purposeful equipping. I'm not going to get into those tonight, but if you um, are unaware of those things that are really driving this community and our interaction with each other, I, I would encourage you, you can go on our website, listen to those. We also have them in the zine, just real short snippets of uh, why we do what we do here. And those pieces connect together to this piece that we're talking about now, which is discipleship. Discipleship is the thing that is actually a part of everything we do. This is interesting because in some churches, you, um, you might have seen this in the past. You might have been a part of this in the past. Uh, they, some churches have this thing called a discipleship program. Anybody ever been a part of a discipleship program? You can raise your hand if you want. Actually, for a while, we had one. And now we don't have one. That's kind of weird, especially if we're called to make disciples. What is that about? And if you're wondering, in fact, where's the discipleship program? When you're, you know, finally at this place, you're, you're like, okay, I'm ready for this thing. I'm ready for this supernatural lifestyle. I'm ready for that to be mine. Where's the discipleship program? We don't have one. And it's not because um, we haven't thought about it. It's not because we just haven't gotten there yet. It's because discipleship is actually meant to be a part of everything we do. So we don't have a program for it. Discipleship is meant to be a part of everything that we do as a church family. Because at the core, the reason the church exists is to help people see Jesus and to become more like him. That's discipleship. And so when Jesus gave us the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he was giving the church their call. 
And our mission to see wholeness in Baltimore is actually just an extension of the Great Commission. It's an extension of the call to the church to make disciples. Are you with me? So that's why we don't have a discipleship program, because it's actually meant to be embedded in everything that we do here. Yeah, one person's excited about that. This is good. So I hope that clears something up for you, because um, if you think about discipleship as a segment of your walk with Jesus, you're, in fact, you're, you're limiting what he wants to do. And if you think about it as a segment of what the church is supposed to do, then what is the rest of it for? I would argue that it's all supposed to be for that purpose. And so that's why we don't have a discipleship program. Instead, what, what we want to do and what we've tried to do here is to see your growth in God covered in everything that we do. And over the next few weeks, I want to talk about some of the specific ways that happens um, because it's not all covered in this time. It's not all covered in home groups. It's not all covered in family dinner. Big surprise. <laughs> some of you are like, I had a good meal. I am good. It's not all covered there. So I want to talk over the next few weeks about some of the things that are a part of this journey of discipleship and what it looks like in our church. And I really hope, I pray, that it's not boring for you, <laughs> okay? I really hope and pray that it's not boring for you. I hope this is really practical, a really practical way for you to find out and get a picture of how to grow with God in this place, okay? So, um, you have that chart for me? All right, guys, get ready for this. Whoa! <laughs> I thought this was going to be epic. I didn't think it was going to be that epic. This isn't the chart, by the way. There's the chart. Okay. Um, all right. I know you're going to find this hard to believe. I made this chart. <laughs> um, I went to art school, but not for design. For painting, okay? <laughs> so, forgive me, all right? <laughs> um, in a nutshell, this is, this is our strategy, okay? <laughs> My Micah kids are panicking right now. Just relax for a minute, all right? I already apologized, okay? So, um, I want to explain this for a minute, and then we're going to talk about one specific part at the beginning of this here, okay? Okay? Um, this is our strategy, and it's four parts. It's encountering God, equipping the church, engaging the world, and expanding the kingdom. And tonight, I'm going to talk about just the first part of that, encountering God, okay? Um, before I get into it, I want to just explain one thing about this. You notice, Maria, I showed her this earlier today. She always gives good, constructive criticism, and like, be kind, <laughs> Uh, she's like, I don't get it. Why is that last arrow not connecting? <laughs> That's because when you get to that last part, you're out of here. See you later. That's it, okay? So hold on as long as you can, all right? No, just kidding. It's because this is actually a concentric circle. That's what I told her. 
She's like, okay, in layman's terms, what does that mean? It means this, this cycle is ever-expanding, okay? So it's not just rinse and repeat. It's not point one, point two, point three, four. back, start all over again. It's not like that because along the way you're growing, okay? And so when you get to expanding the kingdom, actually growth is happening. And guess what? You come right back to where you started, but you're not the same. You come back to encounter, but you're no longer the same person you were the last time you encountered God because you're growing. So it's not a true cycle in that sense, and that's why it wasn't just my inability in illustrator, okay? (laughs) A little bit. Uh, (laughs) All right, I want to talk today about encounter, encountering God. I want to say this about encountering God. Encountering God is both the destination and it's the journey. It is where we're headed and it's how we get there. Encountering God is the beginning and it's the end. And it's everything along the way. That's it. All right, let's go. <laughs> Encountering God, it's why we're here. It's why this time matters. It's why this church matters. It's why we've stuck it out for 10 years to see people know him. And if you know him, it's to see people continue to discover who he is. I know, that's epic. <laughs> Encountering God, it's, it's not just the starting point. It's the place we continue to come back to. It is the starting point. But when you encounter him, and when you really encounter him, you'll want to know him more. You won't, you won't just say, well, that was good, on to something else. You'll want to know him more. Encounter is the destination, and it's the journey. And I want to talk about a few ways that that um, plays out for us. And um, encounter is the beginning of this whole thing, okay? And it's the beginning of us knowing God. Encounter is the beginning of us knowing him. We can't know him until we've encountered him. John 3.16, you may have heard this verse before. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Okay? But then John 17.3 says this about eternal life. It says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Did we get that? So John 3.16 tells us why Jesus came. It tells us that God loved us, that he sent his son to give us eternal life. And then John 17 clarifies that for us and says, guess what? Eternal life is knowing him. Encounter is about knowing 
him. It's about knowing your heavenly father. Encounter is the beginning of knowing God. It's also about knowing his love. Because as you begin to know him, guess what? You begin to know what love really is. Because in fact, what, we get this amazing revelation in scripture that God himself, he is love. He's not just loving, he is love itself. He's the definition That's pretty cool. And so as we get to know God, we actually get to know what love is, really. 1 John 4 says it this way. This is a beautiful picture of how our lives are intertwined in that. And as we begin to know him, we become like him. It says, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He's saying it's that simple. If you don't love, then you obviously don't know him. Because if you knew him, you would be like him in this way. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So if we have a love problem, what do we need? We need to encounter the one who is love. It's not just we need an attitude adjustment. We need to be reminded of the one that is love so that we can be like him in that way. As we know God, what we actually get to know is love. Encounter is the beginning of Knowing our identity and knowing our purpose. When we encounter God, we begin to find out who we really are. That's pretty amazing. If you want to know the purpose of something, find out who made it and why they made it. If you want to know the purpose of something, find out who made it and why they made it. And in that way, for you and me, we want to know why we were put here. If we want to know who we really are, we need to encounter our maker, our creator, the one that gave us life, and the one that is breathing purpose into that life. Ephesians 2.10 talks about this. It says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. When you encounter him, and as you continue to encounter him, one of the things he is unfolding is your purpose and who you really are. It's a beautiful thing. 
And it's one of the reasons that we need to continue to discover him. Because as we discover him, we discover who we are. That beautiful diagram that you guys saw, that part that repeats. It's an it's a reminder that this is a journey that we're on and it continues. And I love that because in that way we can encourage each other. Everyone here needs to encounter him. Everyone here needs to encounter him. Again. So, if you're thinking about what you need or what someone else needs, and you don't know, it might just be as simple as that. And it's what we're after together. It's what... It's why we do this, and it's why we meet during the week. It's why we have this time. It's because we need to continue to encounter him. And I love that about this truth. Each one of these things, knowing God, knowing his love, and growing in our identity and purpose, they're things that, that never stop. I know this might seem obvious, but I think sometimes we just need to be reminded of it. Because we get stuck. Or because we think, all right, I'm in a good place. Can sit down now. Can focus on something else. It's not meant to be a burden. But it is meant to continue. And um, in that way, this encounter, it's the thing that is meant to be there all the way till the end, till we see him face to face. It's the journey that we're on all the way to its completion. Paul says this in Philippians 3. Paul, okay? He, he knew a lot about stuff, but he also I could say he had a few encounters. A pretty dramatic one at the start of this whole journey. And in fact, he was, he was actually, um, we don't have a lot of this information, but there was this period of time before Paul actually was brought to the church that he had persecuted where he was alone with the Lord and the Lord was teaching him, revealing the truth of the gospel to him with nobody else around. He wrote this in Philippians 3. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. And I might be saying, who's writing right now? It was Paul. He says, I want to become like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And he shares this to a people who needed to be reminded, it keeps going. You've met him, now continue to meet him. You know him, now know him better. Know him more. There's more. 
That's good. That's good news for us. There's more in knowing him. There is more in knowing him. I think it's the reason that Paul not only writes these words, but he writes these words in Ephesians to the church as well. So he says, I want to know him. And, and as I discovered that he is unsearchable, meaning he, he can continue to be discovered, and there's mysteries after mystery. He says, this love that you've encountered, this love that you now know, guess what? There are layers to it. There is a depth to it that you haven't even discovered yet. And so he prays, For the church in Ephesians 3, he says that you would be rooted and established in love. That you would be be confident in it. That you would be, it would be the thing that you stand on. That you would be unshakable in it. And that in that you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowing. He says, I'm praying that you would know this love that surpasses knowing. Which is to say you need to encounter it. You need to encounter it. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You want to be filled Be filled with his love. Not only do we continue to discover who he is and to continue to discover what his love is, but we continue to discover who we are in that. And guess what? We forget. We forget. We forget who we are so easily. James 1 has this picture of that, you know, because we've heard who we are. We've heard that we're his children. We've heard that we have a place and a purpose and a responsibility. If you haven't heard that, stick around a little bit longer. You'll hear it. But we forget. Sometimes it only takes Monday morning and we forget because we're not living in it. We can hear it, but until we live in it, we've forgotten it. James 1 actually has a picture of this. In verse 22, it says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. This is a powerful picture of our identity lived out. He says, Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We've heard. We've heard who we are, but we forget. And sometimes we just don't walk it out. And in not walking it out, we forget who we are. We need to be reminded because guess what? There are a lot of other voices saying you're this, you're that as well. And we need our identity, our purpose to come straight from the one who made us. 2 Peter 1, it says, So I will remind you of these things, even though you already know them. 
He's saying, I know you already know this. <laughs> and some of you might be thinking that right now. Well, guess what? Let it be a reminder. Let it be a reminder. He says, you're already firmly established in the truth that you know how, that you now have, but I think it's right to refresh your memory. When we talk about this encounter, this is what I want us to leave with tonight, okay? You're encountering God, my encountering God, it's his idea. All we're doing is coming into agreement with it. All we've done as a family here is say yes to what he's already decided. We're not saying, God, it's, it's really, it would be a good idea for you to meet this person. <laughs> Encounter is his idea. When it comes to encountering God, something that we passionately believe is that everyone can know him. That's why encounter is so important here, and that's why it's first. It's because we believe, despite what you've heard, despite what others have told you, despite what maybe you've, you've misinterpreted in your Bible, everyone can know him, and he wants everyone to know him. Do you believe that? We believe that. And we'll believe it for you. And you might be saying, okay, I believe that, but, you know, it's like for some people he wants them to know him this much and other people get to know him this much. We believe that everyone can know him deeply and intimately. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why we're here. That's the gospel. The gospel says, in fact, that encountering God, it wasn't our idea. It was his idea. The good news is this. God encountered man so that man could encounter God. I'm going to say that again. God encountered us so that we could encounter him. Jesus is our evidence of that. Hebrews 2, it says this. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And Hebrews goes on to say, in light of this, come boldly before the throne of grace to encounter God. Are you guys listening? Do this for me. This is the gospel. And it's the thing that gives us confidence in this time and in this place. Encountering him isn't just something we came up with. It's his idea. 
And it's what he's doing. And it's what he wants to do in your life. And I believe for you because he believes for you. He wants you to know him. And he's made it possible. If you ever doubt that, just look at the life of Jesus. Look how far he came. It was for you to know him. We're going to end with that. We're going to end with that. And I just want to pray. I want to pray that for each of you, you can bow your heads. I want to pray that for each person here, that this truth would be your truth. That regardless of why you've come to this place, your motivation for being here, regardless of what you think is the purpose of this time and all the other times like it, that you would encounter him. that you would discover him by his grace. I pray that you would know the love of the Father who gave what was most dear to him to bring you into his family because you were dear to him. You are dear to him. And it's my prayer tonight and in the coming days that you would be freed up to know him better. That you would grow in your confidence that first and foremost he longs for you to know him. And he's made it possible. And that you would begin to long for it as well. You would begin to anticipate it. You would begin to hope for it. You would begin to be excited for the truth that the God of this universe, He knows you by name and He's created you for a purpose. And it's found in knowing Him. So, Jesus, that's our prayer. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you're different than anybody else because you found us. You went out of your way to make yourself known. You gave us eternal life. You gave us the ability, and you give us the ability to know you and the one who sent you, to know the Father. And we thank you for this. I pray 
I pray that we would see how you want to do this, not only in our lives, but in all the lives of the people around us. And we would, in fact, even be a part of it. That we would realize that we need to encounter you because in having seen you, others see you in us. I pray that we would begin to realize that or we would be reminded of it, that we need to see you, we need to encounter you, not just for ourselves, but so that those around us would see you through us, that they would see the love that's been made tangible because of our lives. Jesus, I pray that in our interaction with each other, it would be proof that your love exists. We need, we need a fresh encounter. I pray we wouldn't be looking back on yesterday when you want to do something new today. Pour it out, God. I pray that in our time in the Word, I pray, God, that there would be new understanding, God. I pray there would be new freedom and excitement. I pray that there would be interaction that occurs that, that we didn't even think was possible, God. Because you're with us. Because you love us. Because your spirit is in us. I pray in the coming days that, that God, you would bring us to this time with, with words for the people around us so that they can encounter you, that our words would call the people around us into encounter. And if we don't believe that that's possible, I pray you would raise our expectation for the things that you want to say through us. God, I pray even with something like family dinner, That we would taste your goodness in that time. Or that we use it for what it's for. Not just to get a meal, but to speak life and truth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. And tonight we come to your table to receive that again. To receive the reminder of your once and for all sacrifice your once and for all sacrifice so that we could know you, so that we could know the Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When you're ready tonight, you can come to receive communion.